Years ago, the uh, poet, novelist, and essayist Wendell Berry was asked to be the guest preacher at the Episcopal Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. And in that sermon, he described what it was like to grow up as a child in the mid-20th century in rural Kentucky, remembering especially tobacco tobacco harvest time uh, there as a child. When tobacco is ready to glean, he recalled, the harvesting must be done quickly. There is an air of kind of collective urgency among the whole community about getting the tobacco out of the fields and into the barns. Everyone is called into the labor, young and old. Of course, the littlest children play around the edges of the field while everyone else in the community gets about the work, working diligently, purposefully, moving methodically across the fields. And while the work is is pressing while the harvest must get done, there is time for storytelling. And the elders are the storytellers. They tell the old stories of the community. And Barry recalled in his sermon that many of the community's stories are about those who work those very tobacco fields, but who have passed away. Today, and the life of the church, is very much like that. This is All Saints Sunday. This is our harvest time, if you will, where every member of the community, young and old, gathers in this urgent work of worship to remember our old stories handed down from Scripture, handed down from those who've gone before us, making us the community that we are, the communion of saints in Jesus Christian worship always speaks across the generations. It is, in its way, antiphonal. Our praise today being answered by the praise of yesterday, the praise of our forebears in the faith. And if you want a visible sign of that worship across the generations, just look right before you today. Today, we've chosen to celebrate our 70th anniversary as a congregation. And we have seated over here, down front, members of our founding families from 1949. See what y'all started? Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much, you and, and your families. But just across the aisle right here, we have some babies who are going to be the next generation who enter into our life in Christ here at St. George's. And all this is is very poignant, I think, this juxtaposition. It seems significant, but why? How is this day, this anniversary, more than a simple historical marker, more than some kind of sentimental remembrance? I want to tell you that it is significant because it connects us to our very identity our mission, our reason for being, and therefore it connects us not only to our past, but to our future. I had this image of what it is to be the church as opening the front door of my house one morning, and I see a a throng of people all walking down the street in the same direction, 
all sorts of different people, different conditions, different backgrounds, different races, walking in the same direction. And they've been washed in the blood of Jesus and they are wearing white. And in this vision, quite a few look up from the street to where I am in my doorway and they wave me down. Come and join us. Come join this procession into God's kingdom. And it is the reality of the life I've always been looking for. But where are they going? Of course, Christianity is historical. The birth, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus really happened. We believe that. But Christianity is never merely static history, merely something to look back upon. The Spirit of God is always propelling us inexorably forward and drawing new people in to the parade. But to say that the church is always movement needs some clarification because that is not to say that it is mere progress. Precisely because history has taught us again and again that despite all kinds of human social and technological advancement, people are just as sinful as they've ever been precisely because all of our attempts at human betterment will never fully earn salvation, will never bring heaven to earth, we have to look elsewhere, and we do, to God and Jesus Christ. So only God truly progresses toward us, and we respond to that. So I like the word procession rather than progress. We process forward worshipfully in hope that as time goes on, God more and more will come to us from the future with all the promises of the kingdom of God. That is what it is to be a part of this procession that we call the Christian faith. So we join the throng, a procession that started before we ever existed into a hopeful future where God promises to come and to meet us. And I think this is extremely helpful to keep in mind since we as a church may be tempted to measure our vitality in terms of progress. I know I'm tempted. Increases in membership numbers, stewardship dollars, and of course a very successful capital campaign and new buildings and renovations that are happening right before our eyes. Every day I'm asking somebody on the staff or some of our parish leaders, What's the progress? Where are we today? And I love it. And I mean to say that all of that does tell a particular story about us as a church. It's a different story from most of the churches across the land where there is dramatic, dramatic decline in religious affiliation, where there are fewer and fewer children who are growing up in Christian households who themselves have been formed to be Christian and are not likely to be in the church in the next generation. This is all, by the way, statistically verifiable. I'm not saying anything controversial. That's just true. And you add to all of that a culture that is increasingly, let's just say at minimum, skeptical of institutional religion. So I think this should caution us about placing our trust in institutional sturdiness. You remember Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem and the disciples look at the great temple of Herod the Great who's 
expanded it and renovated it. Sound familiar? And they say to Jesus, look at those large stones. And Jesus says, you're looking at the wrong thing. What progress have we made today? No. Rather, where is the procession? Where's the procession of all the saints who have lived out their faith in their own challenging times, their own challenging context, and who remained faithful? Where did God meet them, and what did that look like? What can we learn from them? And we know we can because we are people of hope. And again, what inspired those founding members, those pioneering members of St. George's to gather in this new location for worship back in 1949, in September of that year. 418 people gathered for that very first worship service, and I'm very good at eyeballing attendance. That's more than are here right now. 400. So can we, with them back then, approach our future with that same hopeful enthusiasm. It only took two years, you all, two years before St. George's Chapel, as it was known then, a mission of Christ Church downtown, became a parish of the Diocese of Tennessee. And a special meeting of the diocese where 350, 350 communicants of St. George's Chapel petitioned the diocese to become a parish. The rector of Christ Church, the Reverend Peyton Williams, offered these words in prayer. We are here to discover the means by which we, ha we may most effectively and successfully work for a greater Episcopal church in this area and for the spread of God's kingdom on earth. In this area, the spread of God's kingdom on earth. Seventy years later, here we are, what might that look like today and moving into the next 70 years? Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Give to anyone who begs from you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Always, always we seek continuity with Jesus, and that means continuity with his words. This beatific vision of the kingdom of God. So what will have to happen for this church more and more to look like that? to invite more and more people from their figurative doorways into the procession of faith in fulfillment of our reason for being, to represent in this area the spread of God's kingdom on earth. And I think you know this about me, but I think and pray about the future of the church in the United States in these days all the time. Frankly, I wish more of you did the same. And I am more and more convinced our future will need to be characterized by a posture of humility and hospitality, of mercy and of service 
rather than a defensive posture protecting what we have for fear of losing it. I believe that is the future of Christianity in the West, if we have one. If we don't understand that, that all of our ministries and our programs and our projects and our institutional success serve an end greater than themselves, pointing to the Beatitudes and the people that they point to, well, then I think there will be far fewer people here celebrating the 140th anniversary of St. George's than there are today. But I am hopeful. And I wager there will be more. I actually will also wager this safe bet. There will be a lot more color in the room when we come to that next anniversary 70 years from now. Because God will process to us as we process in response to the Son's word. I won't be here, by the way. (laughs) But I'll be cheering you on, whoever's here. So this past week, I had the occasion to be at a church leaders symposium in Durham, North Carolina. I didn't know this, but there's a university there called Duke, and it was Duke Divinity School. And I met a clergyman, a priest who serves a congregation in Manhattan, in New York City. And we were talking about our different locations, our different, very different in some ways, congregations and our different ministries. And he shared with me that um, in his congregation in Manhattan, they have a ministry to the homeless. And they have about 50 homeless men that stay with them one night a week. And some of these homeless men, through that service of the church, become members of the church. And even though they may remain homeless, they become active participants in the congregation and even parish leaders. But he also said, you know, there are occasions when we have those 50 men staying here uh, that it's a little rough on the furniture. Um, There have been fist fights that break out. And he said... It's the same room where they stay, where they sleep. It's the same room that is our art gallery. Because that church also has a thriving arts community who create art as a faithful expression. And they give it to the church and it's set up in this room. And when he arrived to be the rector of this parish, he asked them, he said, do you think this is a good idea to have these homeless men and this artwork all together in the same room? Is that safe? And the artist community said, we cannot worry about protecting our precious art. After all, it was created as a gift, a gift to them and a gift to the church. I think that's what the future looks like. So this is tobacco harvesting time. We remember who we are, where we came from, where we're going. We rightly, we rightly look back with deepest thanks to God for the vision of our founding members, precisely because we walk in procession with them and all the saints. We can move into an uncertain future with hope and not a little bit of great energy and excitement too. We remain steadfast, however, in the apostolic faith. If we do that, if we take that posture, 
of humility and hospitality, of mercy and service. God promises to come to us from the kingdom that awaits us all and help us do the work that we have been given to do. Jesus is our hope and our savior, not only for our present. So our praise today is met by the praise of yesterday, and that even now is met by the praise of tomorrow. All glory be to God.